1: or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes
2: only.
4: Can you hear me now? hear me now? Jan? There we go. go. Okay, you had to call in. All right. So can you hear me speaking okay?
3: This is a mad.
4: Oh, hi, mad. And
3: I can hear an echo. You got two of them open? No, I don't hear you at all.
4: Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can, okay. Well, let me turn this down. This is really interesting. Okay, I'm going to turn my computer down, what, which is what do I called have? in on. on a, you're, yeah, you're on the phone
3: and on the computer. That's the problem.
4: Yeah, I didn't, but you couldn't hear me on the computer, so I don't know <laughs> what's what. Why that is. Has something to do with my new computer, I guess, Ahmed. Apologize for that. Well, let me see Probably if computed. he. No, it wasn't. Uh, I have it muted now. Now don't. So that's working fine. Let me see if I can get him on here, Ahmed. Let's see. Uh, did Brian want to come on today?
1: I haven't talked to him.
4: Oh, you haven't. Okay. I've been well, too busy. Unique. Okay, well, I want to hear what all you've been doing and what all's going on over there. Hello. Let everybody know who you are. Hi, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, Matt, can you hear him?
3: I sure can.
4: Oh, good. Okay, well, I guess my new computer. Jan, I apologize for earlier. I saw you. You just couldn't hear me. I don't know why that is, but I do have a new computer I'm using. I had to call in myself on my phone, so it could have something to do with the way it's all set up now. Well, I've invited uh, a mad painter who is our general manager for our, our various groups in American Communications Online and spending uh, time and money to get us all set up before 2020. But, Jan, I gave a basic information uh, intro on you with your 25 years in the military and 25 years with the post office and then your project 1947. And can you explain uh, uh, a mad I need to get your name in here because this is a live recording, but it's live <laughs> live radio, folks. So, may tell people about uh, what you're doing right now so we can get this on with Jan.
3: Uh, I'm just
4: trying to learn. <laughs> well. Uh,
1: well, I do various things on the Internet. I run another radio station, uh, Revolution Radio. I'm the general manager, and... Uh, We've been doing – I've been awful busy trying to move the station, getting everything reset up and stuff. And uh, I haven't been around the last month or so, but that will change. I'll have more time to join in and help out here.
4: Okay. Well, we appreciate anything you can do to help us out over here. And Jan has been with us. Jan, this is number six, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I believe uh, so. All right, well, I'll go ahead and put that in here, folks, for all of you that are keeping up with our oral history. Now, uh, Jan, why don't you tell Ahmad and those listening how this uh, got together with Project 1947 for CUFOs, FUFOR, F-U-F-O-R, and MUFON, which is now called the UFO Research Coalition. Can you give all of us, including me, a refresher course on what these acronyms are? and how you got involved with your Project 1947 research. And I'll put this as series six.
3: So, um, my father passed away in 1993. And I got out of the military in 1994. And I was looking for something to do. And, uh, it's been a while since I'd uh, been in touch with uh, the people at Fufor, and I uh, I called uh, uh, Don Berliner, and we chatted, uh, and uh, I knew him from years before in the '60s at NICAP. So <coughs> he told me that. Uh, Uh, he gave me uh, what was going on in the U.S. because I I was pretty well um, out of it while I was in Europe. I kept up somewhat, but I wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a full-time thing. And uh, he mentioned something about uh, yeah they were forming a research coalition, and that uh, Robert Bigelow was going to uh, give them a. significant grant so they could uh, run certain research programs and I mentioned uh, well that would be interesting I wonder if anybody had taken uh, Ted Blocher's uh, 1947 research any further and he said well it's all done he was skeptical that anything else would be found and he said, uh, I think it's uh, it's already been done, and so it would be a waste of time. So uh, he said, we wouldn't consider something like that. So I thought about it more and more, and I said, you know, it's <sighs> uh, Ted did uh, about 200 newspapers, but there's 11,000 in 1947 in North America, so... I think there might be some more things to be found, so i had I had money from uh, you know uh, uh my retirement, and I also had uh leave that I'd saved up, so I got paid for that so uh I said maybe I could uh run out to uh the West Coast and do some research in Washington and Oregon and Idaho, which were three of the big states at the beginning of the 1947 flap. <clears throat> so I was surprised at how easy it was to do this kind of <clears throat> kind of research because a number of the uh, universities or historical societies had gathered up a large number of newspapers historical newspapers and had them on hand. So I uh I visited uh the
2: uh <clears throat> University
3: of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho and Wojcier had already uh gone through the uh Boise Idaho Statesman. Um so that was pretty well done, but I started going through other idaho newspapers and found a lot of items that were only in the local newspaper they didn't get out into the into the uh... wire services and they did not uh... go m- much further than fifty miles radius from where they were so they were basically unknown and Comparing it with what we had for 1947, I said, yeah, there's a lot of newspapers here. So um, I did the same thing in uh, Washington and Oregon. I went to Seattle, and I visited the, the University of Washington and uh, uh, Seattle Library. And I went to uh, Oregon and uh, visited the Oregon uh State library, which had uh, m- lots of material on UFOs, besides 1947 in the newspapers, there were already a lot of s- material that that uh, the librarians had uh, indexed, and you could just go and find that. So it was it was it was all kinds of material from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and I, it was quite a surprise. So then I. Uh, I called uh, Don up after I uh, <clears throat> after that trip, and I said, "You know, I found several hundred uh, new uh, stories in the newspapers at that time, uh, in in just those three states." And he said, "Well, he said we're we're forming a UFO re- research coalition." He said, "Send me some evidence and send me a." a a grant proposal. So that's what I did. And in the meantime, I talked to Richard Hall and, uh, he got a copy of the grant proposal too. And he said, well, I support this. He says, uh, from what I've seen of the grant proposal so far, um, this is the most interesting. He said, this is the one, uh, I'll support. So, uh, I, uh, I was told that the coalition supported that and uh uh they decided to give to uh give me the money so uh I had asked for enough money so I could travel around to uh uh about uh i had figured about two dozen states but it ended up being uh fifty states and canadian provinces that i Eventually went to plus the Washington D.C. and uh, it was uh I I was able to do with the help of a, a number of people that that uh, that went and screened their local newspapers or went to state libraries and screened their newspapers at the state library. Or had uh, material in their own files. Uh, About uh, 300 people uh, did this uh, because I, uh, uh, Mufon, uh, Kufos, and uh, Fufor put this out in their literature that uh, they were looking for 1947 material. And we decided not to do just 1947 we decided to do from 1900 to uh... 1965 and so things started coming in here and in, in, uh, it was a lot of material it, it was huge amounts of material uh, and then i visited MUFON uh, i visited richard hall and looked at his files <clears throat> i visited a number of people uh... uh in the U.S. and Canada, uh, copying things from their files, uh, uh, and I went out to Kufo several times, uh, and they had they had the old NICAP files, so that was uh, fortunate, and we I got to see that material. Um, so that's how that's how 1947 started. They did a uh, preliminary report of that uh, where we. Where uh, it was in two parts one part was the uh um the history leading up to the flap things that we had found out and why uh the why the government reacted the way they did uh and there uh and there then there was a a part about sightings in sort of chronological order. Um, Several people overseas, uh, in Australia, France, uh, Finland, and and Sweden, uh, wrote up little essays on um, their country's uh, experience in 1947 with UFOs. Um, Sweden had uh, what was called the ghost rockets in 1946 so um they actually had already in place a uh a project to track uh unknown objects over the uh, over the uh, Swedish territories and also uh, uh get information from other countries around them so uh the uh uh, Klaus von and uh, uh, Andrews Lilligin were able to send me uh, items from the official government uh, inquiry into UFOs, which probably started before our inquiry. Um, a fellow in Finland had done research and he wrote up his thing and uh, i included that as a paper uh several people in france had already looked into 1947 in france so they uh they submitted uh uh items and i i put them together in a narrative and then um bill chalker in in australia He had uh, he had also looked into this, so he had a uh, he had a thing. So we had we had um, several foreign views in the uh, in the report. Uh, uh, At the end of the year, uh, um, Mr. Bigelow decided he would not go want want anything to do with the coalition anymore, and he said, uh, "I'm not going to support this any further." and i uh i had hoped to have three years to do this research but it didn't turn out that way so i said well i'll just continue this on my on my own as best as i can so that's uh that's basically what happened and i've been doing that ever since and uh i told mr bigelow that uh i would start a website and uh Essentially, what I found would uh, be available for uh, to the public for free on my website. And uh, that's not quite true because I'm overwhelmed with material.
4: All right. We
3: can put on there. Well, but,
4: right now, is Francis Ridge still in charge of NICAP?
3: Yes, he is.
4: Okay. Is he just helping? Heard any him, uh,
3: ten minutes before we got on the air here?
4: Oh wow! We got to get him to come on too. Yeah, That'd you be do. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, I just haven't contacted him, but uh, yeah, does uh, he know you're trying to get everything archived? Well, he's got—he's still alive, so we have his number. I could bring him on. I don't know if he'd want to come on or not.
3: I think he would.
4: You do. Well, we'll just see. We'll just get a party going here. If I can get this, let's see here. Gee, I'm uh, I'm having to. Uh, well, I should have wrote that number down, shouldn't I? I'll have to. Uh, Amad's much better at producing and programming and punching all these buttons, folks. And <laughs> I'm trying to be ambidextrous here. I did used to twirl two batons at once, but I've got to write his number down here. And see, since you just talked to him, he knew you were coming on. Uh, no, he didn't.
3: Uh, we were talking about something else.
4: Uh, oh, okay. Well, I wonder if he'll answer this uh, new number in Indiana.
3: He might. Uh, uh, yeah.
4: He's at Mount Vernon, Indiana. Right. Well, let me see if uh, Ahmed. Uh, if I hang up, just keep talking for me. But I'm going to try to see if uh, how this still. Gel- now, I don't hope. Hope it doesn't cut you off since you already. I Ahmad, mean, you don't know anything about all this call guest either, do you? Me and Ahmad haven't spent about
3: blog talk.
4: Okay. Uh, I know he- you got the number to get in, but it's going to dial. Let's see if now we just yeah, say, Mister. Okay, we'll see if this works. First time I've had two people with this. His name is Francis Ridge. Now, did he start Hello. with you? Hello, we are
2: not available now. Oh, they're not. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep.
3: We will return your call.
4: <laughs> Hi, this is uh, UFO Association, and I have Jan Aldrich, and we're live on the air with Thomas R. Becker and Teresa J. Morris. And we're leaving a number to see if you'd like to participate with us. We do a weekly oral archive for two hours a day on Tuesdays. So if you can, give Jan Aldrich, Teresa J. Morris, or Thomas R. Becker uh, a ring back. Uh, my phone number is 850-376-9100, and I will get the uh, Skype on to you for <laughs> a mad painter. is A-M-A-D-P-A-I-N-T-E-R. Is that right, a <laughs> mad painter? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you know, Jan, he said he was just talking to you. So I hope that uh, Francis Ridge gets this because we're very interested in coordinating your website with his and ours. So thank you very much, NICAP. Look forward to hearing from you. And uh, you were called live on the air. Now, if I can figure out how to hang this up, I have no clue. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see if that does it. Okay. I guess you guys can still hear me?
3: Yes, yes.
4: Yeah. Okay, no, I don't want to end episode, just the call. All right, I think we're off of his line. I hit end call anyway, and it didn't cut us off. Yay, all right, so now we know we've made contact, folks. Our group, UFO Association with American Communications Online, Teresa J. Morris, host and general manager and best co-host I've got thomas r becker and he is of georgia and i am of florida now jan aldrich is in connecticut however he's been on this huge quest for data and information and had some very important groups uh is we just called nicap now can you uh jan i don't know if you've got all these acronyms in front of you but can you explain any data on nicap n-i-c-a-p and why they're, uh, they quit in 1980, but they didn't quit. So maybe you can explain why we just called Francis.
3: Okay. Well, and, NICAP was formed in 1956, and then taken over uh, as uh, by uh, Donald E. Keo in '57 as director, and uh, that organization continued until 1980, when essentially it merged with KUFOS. Now, uh, about the same time that I'm starting on Project 1947, uh, Francis Ridge is uh, saying that, uh, and he's talking to Dick Hall, and he says, you know, we ought to do something to memorialize the work that NICAP did. And uh, his idea was to uh, use the... uh, use the uh, trademark and the uh, um, the name and continue uh, as an online entity. And uh, so he uh, asked Kufos if they would let him use the name, and they were uh, fine with that. So he started a, uh, <clears throat> the website, and one of the things he does is he puts up, a lot of uh, NICAP material that he has uh, had over the years, plus his own investigations, which he was a NICAP subcommittee uh, chairman, uh, investigative subcommittee in Indiana. And uh, <clears throat> as NICAP, uh, they did away with the subcommittees in uh, about 1971 72. He went on to MUFON.
4: Sorry, that's Janet calling in. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Ahmed, can you get her? <laughs> Ahmed's my Skype person. So. Right. I'm going to try pull her on. Yeah, please. I'm sure that's what she wants. Goodness, you're such a popular guy, Jan. What can I say? <laughs>
3: so, so he uh, went ahead and... Um, uh, started NICAP, and one of the things that he's done is he's, he has a number of essays by uh, people in ufology on his site, plus he has a a chronology going all the way back. Um, and uh, the actual case files, a lot of them from Blue Book that have been uh, uh cleaned up so that they, uh, they're more readable and, uh, people can use them easier on his site. So if you want to see what went on in, say, 1983, you can just go to his site and there's a, there's, uh, summaries of, uh, significant UFO reports or histories in, in each year. And, uh, Actual verbatim reports from various sources, a lot of them being uh, in the fifties and sixties. Uh, Project Blue Book. Um, now,
4: NICAP is for National
3: National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena.
4: And UFOs is for Center uh,
3: Center for UFO Studies, which is
4: all right,
3: which is started by Doctor. Uh, J.L. and Hynek, who had been the uh, Air Force um, advisor for almost 20 years. Um, Now, if you watch the History Channel, you get a real skewed view of Dr. Hynek. Um, And I, I, I keep trying to communicate with the History Channel. I said, you guys don't have to make up things about Heinerick he's a, he's a colorful character on his own in his own uh, uh, right and these uh these um, fictional items of Dr. Heineck, they're a waste of time i said tell the truth about the man uh let's see one time he uh in fact, this is in the Condon Committee report, not the thing about what I'm going to tell you that Heineck did, but Heineck interviewed this airline pilot. So he interviewed him at the uh, Air Force uh, (coughs) Cambridge, Massachusetts facility up there, which is a scientific facility. Uh, um, And so uh, he didn't he, he told the guy to report to this building, and then he had him put on a. Uh, he had somebody put a blindfold on him, walk him around the building, so he's really disoriented, put him on the elevator and send him up, and then
2: uh,
3: as he arrived on that floor, uh, Heineck took off the blindfold. Now, if you don't think that's kind of funny, that's. Uh, <clears throat> and he did that so that he didn't really know what what branch of the uh the Air Force uh scientific uh, um, office that he he was in and so uh um, that I mean that's uh, to me that's uh you know that's 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 something that's never been told and it's something that uh, probably could have been told instead of uh some of the things that we uh the fantastic things that supposedly Heineck did. Uh he did do some uh, rather unusual things. He went to South America and uh he got himself in some trouble down there. He went uh he was convinced to go way out in the countryside to uh, meet with these people and uh <clears throat> I think they were, uh, they were, they weren't interested in UFOs. They were interested in shaking him down and getting his money and taking his stuff.
4: Oh, Now what country so was that?
3: So he, uh, he was, uh, he was rescued by the taxi driver. The taxi driver didn't want to take him out into this place. So he hung around and when things started to get bad, he and, uh Hynek's, uh buddy there the uh the taxi driver came by <laughs> and picked him up in the taxi <laughs> and drove him away so this is uh, uh this is some of the things that he had he had some uh, rather unusual uh experiences while he was uh in the air force and afterwards um and uh, I'm sorry to say that see that the History Channel is not looking into these things, but making up their own fictional versions of uh, what they <clears throat> what they think will appeal to the public.
4: Like they say this the guy Prometheus. was a
3: colorful character in his own right.
4: Yeah, it could be through the people that are producing our Prometheus Entertainment, who they can get to show up. But Janet Carolesson, I believe from Hawaii, has joined us with a mad painter. Janet, are you here? Did you want to say hi to Jan and Aldrich today? Hi, hi, Hello. I'm here. <laughs> um, thanks for
0: pulling me on the show. Hi, Jan, how are you doing today? Okay. I missed. I missed the story you were saying about the person. I heard that story before, though, about the person who got rescued. All I got was the person who got rescued by the cab driver. Yeah, that was Heineck. That,
3: that was uh, Heineck. So uh, what I what I was saying was that uh, uh, the History Channel's version of Heineck is is highly fictional. But you don't have to have fictional things about Heineck, because he was a real colorful character. And got involved in all kinds of things, uh, anyways. So uh, <clears throat> why would you make up a whole bunch of stories and then at the end say, "Well, this is based on," and have two minutes about the UFO case? That
4: oh my! So we great. need to have them talking reality I, because we're historians, and I right, met right, him right, and so that, you met him, right?
3: Uh, yeah. So I I keep I, they keep they keep asking me to help uh, them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they keep asking me to help them, and I keep telling them, why don't you just tell the truth about this guy? It's really interesting what actually happened. The truth is stranger than any fiction you guys can come up with.
4: Did uh, you write down enough?
0: I need to get a series of uh, Star Trek conferences. I went to a bunch of them in the late, early early to mid-'70s. Uh, to late seven. Let's sure exact years. But Heineck used to come with fine line out of the mob in and each conference had a uh, panel, and then everybody could ask questions. It was a long panel, like two, three hours long. So he was quite uh, an amazing person, very transparent, and he. The, the, the four of them made an amazing team. I know that Heinlein and Asimov fictionalized a lot that they knew, but they had to fictionalize it in order to present it. Because back then in the 70s and 60s, they weren't really um, free to, to convey the information. But I think Heinlein, I'll look this up. He was uh, retired, retired military. Anyway, so this information was coming out sideways back in those days. Um, you know we've made a lot of advances, but
3: still things are hidden. Anyway, next person. Right. So we're, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but we're not doing anybody a service by making up things when <clears throat> the uh, the material is right there. And I I keep uh, each time I get contacted by them, they want me to help them, and I. I can't be any part of that, I said if you're gonna uh i said i I can tell you things about Hynek, uh and you don't have to fictionalize it. you don't have to <clears throat> pump them up. you can just tell the true story about what happened i uh, uh, I was really upset about the uh fighter pilot uh that they uh you know he he supposedly uh <clears throat> uh, went berserk and uh uh tr- tried to murder somebody i mean this is uh, this this guy's a... Uh, this this pilot was a uh was a patriot why do you have to do that kind of thing just to make the story seem a little more um, put a little hollywood spin on it i i don't understand that and uh i i'm uh, it really upsets me, so uh, and like I said, Heinic was involved in many things that uh uh aren't in Blue book, but uh we know about uh, uh because of uh kufos and stuff in uh, his papers and things like that um, uh
4: well, tell us, huh? tell us some more about uh, J. Allen Hynek, because you know my story. I met him on an airplane, but I haven't told it in front of anybody yet. That would be one of the little things that uh, we could talk about. But uh, the reason J. Allen Hynek, you want to tell people why? Because we, we haven't really covered uh, a lot about J. Allen Hynek, but he did start Center for UFO Studies, did he not? Yes, he Wasn't did. He, yes, he did. After, after,
3: after the Air Force, he did start that, and well, uh, he so got uh, he got quite a bit of response from around the world. Uh, uh, scientists all over the world were, you know, sending him material, uh, and um, uh, it was uh, a lot of people that had kept silent for years came forward, and. Uh, <clears throat> and <clears throat> told them of uh, their experiences um he's also contacted like uh, uh, one thing I just cuz I just do working on it the other day the uh the scientific advisor for the uh uh commander of the Indian Air Force contacted Hynek and said yeah we have we have the same we have the same thing happening over here with UFOs and he sent him a a case. So um uh, and Heinek went and visited the air ministry several times in, in Great Britain. Uh he visited in France um and he went to Australia and he went to uh, Papua New Guinea uh where the uh where Father Gill had made his sightings and talked to some of the uh local witnesses there. And they told them how they figured out how far away the UFO was, and what they had done is they got some of the people from the village, and they told them go walk away until we tell you to stop. And so, the uh, sighting in Papua New Guinea in 1959, it was a UFO out there, and there it appeared to be. People on, on the top there, and they were waving at Father Gill and his, um, uh, the people in his uh, congregation. And uh, so, uh, what they did is they had these people walk away until they looked the same uh, size as the people they saw on the UFO. Then they went and measured the distance and said, "Well, these guys, these people were probably this far away from us. Not an exact thing, but it's kind of uh, clever. It's kind of a clever mechanism." <laughs> and uh, um, uh, one of the skeptics at the time said that, uh, "Well, uh, uh, these are these are local natives and." Uh, uh, they just uh, went along with Father Gill, the white man, the great white father, uh, and just went along with what he said. And uh, uh, there, there was no real UFO. It was just something that Father Gill made up, and uh, uh, these people uh, went along with him. And that's the that's racist politics getting into ufology. The people in Papua New Guinea at the time were uh, uh, agitating for their uh, independence. And they they had no use for outside uh, missionaries coming in there. Uh, in fact, they had run some of them off. But Father Gill was a, a, a compassionate man that they recognized he was there to help them. And they were not there to... Uh, uh support his made up story uh when they talked to Heineck he said we saw this this is what we saw this is how we figured out how big how tall these people were by sending them down the beach and seeing when they were this we did this this wasn't a white man's idea and so uh uh they were a little upset about you know, being said to well, you guys just supported him because he's the great white father. <coughs> um, and so that, uh, you know, that was really interesting, and Enoch went out there and talked to the people and took pictures and everything like that, so that was one of his in, his uh, adventures, he uh, he was able to talk to uh, witnesses in the uh, Australian Air Force afterwards um, so uh, he was like i said he was he was a uh, uh, very unusual man he he, uh, he met with people all over and uh, was involved in some of the investigations, very careful investigations of UFOs while he was in the Air Force and out of the Air Force, Um, and the Center for UFO Studies still goes on, and uh, I had, just with Barry Greenwood, he and I had both gone out there and uh, scanned a large number of their files, and they have. They have huge numbers of filing cabinets. Uh, I'd say at least uh, 20 filing cabinets, so you three drawers each. And that's uh, um, that's just one organization like that. Of course, MUFON has huge amounts of material that I've seen. I've been to, I went to MUFON, and that's years ago. That's uh, that's about 40 years ago. So now, what they have now. It's got to be huge, and I, I visited people that have their own files, which uh, in some cases are just uh, on the same scale as Kufos or MUFON, so uh, there's uh, there's a lot of information if we could ever get somebody to take a serious look at it. It's not just minor stuff, and it's... It's material that uh, has been, uh, thoroughly investigated, and it's just sitting there in files, uh, and, uh, of course, with the current way things are going, it's hard to keep an organization together, because it used to be you had some kind of a, a bulletin that you put out, but, uh. The way things go with uh, social media now, it's hard to uh, it's hard to keep an organization going because some if you put out a bulletin, somebody scans it, puts it on the internet. So uh, the possibly possibility of getting any income from that is uh, um, almost nil. Right. So, bu-
4: so this is this is the way that they've got it set up now with the larger corporations running the internet in social media. So, Google, Amazon, and uh, Facebook is very much in the news in today's... And uh, I heard that the YouTube was going to uh, start getting rid of a lot of their YouTubes if they're not profitable, and I saw something in the news today on that. So, it's all about uh, who can keep the Internet thriving, like it used to be ABC, NBC, and CBS. But now they have five majors, and I've noticed that they have... uh, the one with they'll each have a major franchise. I was talking to Janet about that. If you know Orville is about space, and then we have Star Trek, and then stargate was it m g m and but one of them they're wanting to know right now they're running a, asking people do they think it should be on Amazon or Netflix or Hulu so it um uh, it changes by the time you think you've got everything figured out. The companies that have been making all the money on the top that have the investors, there's no room for the people on the bottom, the grassroots people. And right now, I'm, you know, I'm paying out a little over three hundred a month just for myself, just and just for uh, helping and assisting, keeping our radio and what we're doing together. So the archives, we need to pay for another server or whatever. I don't know what we're going to do. But my archives have been kept on blog talk, so that only costs me 40 a month for archiving there. The rest is for distribution purposes, so I can get people to know that we exist. Now, how do you do it? Because you have Project 1947 that you own, don't you? You pay for it yourself?
3: Yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't paid for it lately because somebody always sends in uh, uh the rent before I get a chance to so
4: <laughs> oh well that must not be very much, but that's your archives right
3: uh they, yeah that's part of my archives uh, like i said it's uh it's too much to keep up with uh as yeah far as putting you know we put a we we have a large amount of uh material and from uh- uh a pretty good number of contributors uh around the world uh uh Keith Basterfield uh <clears throat> and uh, Bill Chalker they uh they both uh, have uh material on my my site uh uh my uh webmaster is in Australia so he volunteers for this i mean it's uh, he doesn't get paid uh uh, for a while, we sold some books. That's that's why it's uh, 1947.com. But uh, uh, we we haven't sold anything in a while, uh, and that was never really profitable. It was more like a service or thing. So.
4: And now we got kufos, but those people are all retiring, and now you're. Saying we need to copy all those files, and uh you've got a scanner, and Barry Greenwood has a how many scanners does kuFOs have together in Chicago or for that association
3: well um, there's things going on with kufos that they uh they think they can uh preserve all their material
4: oh, that's good.
3: So, um, but some of it's up in the air right now, and and in quite frankly, in the lap of the gods. So,
4: uh, well, Greg Brady's uh, reporting on some Buddhists that have, uh, feel like that their their stuff, all their hard copy and their books, are going to be, uh, you know, scanned. So he was very uh, shocked when he went to find out they this old old uh, Buddhist temple, and inside they had. Apple computers and scanners, and he said, "What are y'all doing he all this equipment, and they told him it was because they were going to put it all on you know get it all ready for archiving and to put it on the internet, so that's a good thing. These are things that are really, really old they were saved, so that's exciting. They even had a copy of the book of Thomas. So i'm excited about that, so some this is something with the u f o business that needs to be done now you're you've been with this uh is this affiliation that you said Robert Bigelow chose to pull himself out of that you think because of uh the cost or did he tell you why he was pulling back on the archive he he, 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 I, uh,
3: he never communicated with me uh i uh i I learned from other people that he didn't think my project was worthwhile, so uh he has his own ideas about how things should be done
4: um, okay Richard nope. Hall
3: did the second volume of the u f o evidence and he he uh he financed that too um but he didn't make the decisions about what was going to be done. The coalition made the decisions uh so he didn't much like uh, uh volume two of the u f o evidence um it, it uh he said uh you know i've had this studied and uh it's not gonna make any money oh, well of he course. was right it did it, it didn't really make any money but uh the information is out there that's uh that's a big thing right there so um uh to a certain extent, a lot of people aren't interested in uh, reading about UFOs. They're interested about reading about uh, speculation about UFOs. So, <laughs>
4: more of the mystery behind mystery and intrigue rather than the
3: yeah actual history. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> just just uh, listening to people who uh, who uh, have. Uh, Weird tales to tell, and uh, uh, there's no investigation to back them up, but they have they have uh, interesting tales, so uh, people decide that that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear about uh, what's going on.
4: So the history of the prior UFO reports, regardless of what kind of anomalous phenomena it was, which is uh, UAP these days, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, has seems to be taking over, but at the same time, they want to know not just what the what the vehicles are, since Bob Lazar, right, 1989 came out, because I thought it was all over with. They want to know who's flying these things and why are they visiting. Would you say that's more of what uh, you know? And why is it in people's minds? And you know whether whether they're meeting them or they're making them up or who knows. But that's what we've got to. How are we supposed to scientifically prove this stuff? It's not like they leave you a toothbrush or a iPhone no, behind. Uh, I they're, know, they're, There's
3: very little <laughs> material that you can uh, you can analyze or do stuff with. Uh, uh, so scientific and, and empirical we're, we're data. M- we're more or less cut off from things like uh, radar and and other sensors like that because the government controls those things or uh private uh scientific organizations or private people control them so it's hard to uh it's hard to do things with with uh, these things unless uh, people are going to cooperate with you
4: well Janet has been working with experiencers but she and I put in years uh, I don't years know if ago. anybody
3: remembers the old moon watch moon watch moon okay so when they first started sending satellites up they had people that uh, would try to track them they had telescopes and other means of tracking them visually okay and uh, many of them were scientists, and of course, Heineck was in charge of
4: that. Oh, what so, day did he start that?
3: So that's it. it started in '56 before anything was ever set up, but the the uh, the network was already set up worldwide before before the first satellite went up. So. Uh, uh, the material is at the Miss- Smithsonian uh, in Washington, D.C. So uh, Michael Swords went down there and looked, and he's looking for, uh, now he's not looking for satellite tracking, but he's looking for anything anomalous that these people had seen. <clears throat> now, Heinrich said early in the project, oh, we didn't detect anything that looks like UFOs and he said almost as those words were out of his mouth cuz he told uh he told Captain Rupelt who was re- uh updating his book at the time almost uh as soon as the words came out of his mouth it was there was proven that that's wrong so there were things that were uh being seen by the uh, satellite trackers that uh um, uh were anomalous and uh He said later, "Yeah, I had to eat my words." Uh, Well, let
4: me let. Well, go ahead, Jan, finish that, and then I'm going to ask Matt and Janet to help us out here. But so
3: what happened is uh, um, these things were recorded, and they're uh, they're in an archives that nobody looks at anymore, and so. uh, uh Dr. Michael Soares went down to the Smithsonian and uh went through the archives and made uh, copies and uh <clears throat> so now we have uh, um, incidents of satellite tracking that uh, are uh are are not satellites. They're they're in fact UFOs. Uh so that's uh
4: so where are we keeping that? I've recently seen something like that myself. So, uh, uh, re- sword the it, it at, is. at his
3: home. It's so it's it's being kept by Kufos actually. So he since he's a uh,
4: satellite uh, visions.
3: Yeah. So he has. Uh, um, he has that at his home. Uh, I think we were. Uh, I think we scanned that. Yeah. I think we did scan that. Yeah. Uh, so we did scan some of the anomalous ones.
4: <clears throat> well, we so have we've been working satellites.
3: on this. We, you know, we're trying yeah. <laughs> we're trying to work on this, this and other things. I mean, <clears throat> uh,
4: well, it's important. It's history, and the you know, some right. people it's like genealogy. Some people care about their family heritage, and some don't. Right. And it's not something we can make people be interested in. It just happens to be uh, something that J- Janet, Amad, and I are. Now, Brian Roose said he could come on mad, but uh, that's up to you. He says he's going to Skype you. Brian knows you're on Jan. He's very also interested. He's a Canadian that had the UFO Association that had uh, Richard Dolan stay there, and he knows uh, Alfred Lambermont Weber lives right there around him. But uh, this is the one thing that he's very much interested in, and a mad painter uh, is his uh, producer for his show. But we're all doing our best to try to keep the UFO business out there, but there's so many people out there doing exactly what we're doing. But I want to uh, mention that we've been keeping archives since we brought Stan, Stanton T. Friedman on this one, E. T. Radio, in June 2012. And of course, he's passed now. But he was very much, you know, a name and figure of being out there and doing marketing and promotion uh, on the mainly the Roswell and then the Majestic Twelve files. Now, Bob Lazar, I'd like to I would wanted to talk to you about this, and I'm sure Mad would be interested in participating. in Janet, I would like to ask you if you, even though you're centered your project on 1947 with the Roswell beginning there, and a lot of kids don't understand that, but I do. But uh, I'm sure we could come up with some decent questions. But Bob Lazar was given a Majestic. Now, when I was given uh, clearance level... And that was – in MAJ, you may uh, been around people like that. They had it on their badges. But we have different words for different clearance levels, which you will know. Do you want uh, – do you remember anything about uh, the Bob Lazar story in 89 at S4 down below Area 51? Because I want to market and promote that area of the country and that story as well. Do you have any data on that? You, you're not going to we- like
3: what I have to say about Bob Lazar. It's pretty well oh. proven that he is a
4: hoaxer.
2: Really,
3: oh, really. So, now when Bob Lazar started his story, they had not made element 115 yet. Right. Element 115 it was was, uh, was supposed to be a non non-radioactive element. It was a. It was called the uh, island of. Uh, uh, uh quietude or uh, uh, uh it was supposed to be non radioactive and this so, was supposed to be the fuel oh, of you. his 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 u f o and he uh he walked around with uh uh element one fifteen uh on his person Now, now we know what element 115 looks like and what it does. It's highly radioactive. It's very dangerous. You don't walk around with it. If you do, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead.
4: Well, it may Uh, be. Nobody wants to
3: talk about this. This is something scientific that can be proved. But the story is so good that they want to keep it alive. It's well, so tell wonderful. Tell me what you know, and I'll
4: tell you what I know, because it's a mass number, but they've changed it because we didn't have it in the table at that time.
3: Yes, we didn't, we didn't have, have it, the but next- we, it, it, was, it was thought theoretically that it was it was within this island of stability, which, you know, that's, well, I I saw a UFO, and this is what they use, and 115 is is just like they say it's an island of stability. No, it wasn't. That theory is uh, is wrong, and now we know that it's not an island of stability, and you don't go walking around with that on your person. And uh, if you do, you're dead. So uh, Lazar is not dead, but he tells a good story. So, um, and I... Uh, I well, uh, uh... Before there was even one, 115... Most people had written him off as a uh, as a as a hoaxer, and he kept trying to come back. And uh, his uh, his uh, benefactors kept trying to uh, relaunch his story again. And uh, until just recently, with the uh, Tic Tac uh, material. Uh, he uh, he had failed several times to make a comeback, but nothing in ufology ever goes away. It doesn't matter how screwy it is. And well, let's look well, at uh, that. Lazar is let's... back again. He's back again, well, and look... he's, he's managed to return to the field, even though he, sh- he should be dead, because 115 is highly radioactive. You don't walk around with it on your person.
4: Well... There's another side to that too, but uh, what type what of other research side did is you it? do it's, on
3: it? It's a physical, it's a it's a physical phenomena that is demonstrated because we have made element one fifteen. It's highly radioactive. You don't walk around with it. What's the other well, side to that? The other that side a, is what is what is that, uh, that you don't a, believe the scientists that you don't believe that element one fifteen is highly radioactive.
4: Well, at one time, there was no number 115, 16, 17, or 18.
3: Yes, we made it, so now we know and what it's we, like.
4: Well, actually, <laughs> there's another story out there. and that Of course there ones, is,
3: because we have to have Bob Lazar back again. So we're going well, to make another story about him.
4: We have various other things we've added, man-made elements, right? But what happened was, with the UFO story that I happen to know about... We had been given something that we couldn't had make. We could make very little of because it was given to us with a spacecraft. Now, this I know from my husband's story. I didn't shoot at it, but my husband did. And when he was working for the army and working for President Reagan, he told me that we, working with these beings, they would not give us this element. It wasn't of Earth. However they showed us how to do this little bit in whatever we wanted to call it. Uh, what, what were they calling it? Or p They had several names, but at the time when I learned about it, there was no such word. So I learned about it before, and they said they were trying to put it with, well, I guess it's like cold fusion, but it, there's this, like you said, this element of stability where it is stable. You can use it. And my husband kept saying it was In everything. It was like uh, atoms in everything. So when I learned about it, I learned about it back in uh, the time that I was going to uh, Las Vegas. And I thought when Bob Lazar let the story out, it was all over. I thought everybody would know and accept it because I knew about the experiments, but also that the extraterrestrials would not give us this other element, So my side of the story is that it is the fact that it was used for exactly what he was trying to reverse engineer because my husband was working on a project as well. And you know there was more than one. There was at least nine at the time in S-4. And I had one of those stubs just like he did. It looked just like that from the U.S. Navy. So to me, it's easy to believe, but then I have information. So I don't know how we're going to do this because the government wasn't sure he still had any on him or whatever. Or took a little piece, and I don't know. Do you think he said that? Did he state that on video? Is that what happened? Yeah, sure, he does,
3: and and he's uh, he's been to jail too. So I yeah, mean, he's but, a real he's a real good source.
4: Well, of, uh, at the uh, time. He did work at Los Alamos. My uncle worked at Los Alamos. Yes, I. I to yeah, prove. I went. Up,
3: I went up to Los Alamos and saw his name in the uh, in the phone directory. So yes, he was at Los Alamos.
4: Okay, and the reason he went to jail was helping somebody that he shouldn't have get one of those uh, legal whorehouses going, right?
3: <laughs> no, it wasn't a legal whorehouse. It was an illegal whorehouse, in,
4: uh in you know, Nevada. Uh,
3: yeah, and. Uh, Got, um i i think he, if you, if you if you uh the the record is is there for ufologists they don't want to read it because they like the story better than they like the truth well
4: the the the, the material knapp. is in the
3: newspapers
4: well what about George knapp? He did a pretty good job, and what's the other guy jeremy corbell I yeah to they're know your they're, opinion. they're promoters
3: <laughs> they've been promoting him from from the from the beginning. They're promoting him, and Stan Friedman said he is a hoaxer.
4: Yeah, Stan. Well, Stan, Stan yeah, Stan was pretty,
3: pretty, uh, <laughs> uh, pr- pretty uh, vehement about how uh, how he was uh, hoaxing people.
4: But when it came to Majestic Twelve, he didn't consider hoaxers.
3: Right, but uh, and, the,
4: and you've seen Linda Montano has one of the books, right? I had one of the books.
3: I don't, yeah, so, I don't believe it. It doesn't look like anything I've ever seen the military make.
4: Well, when I've been uh, with groups, we had to make our own. So when you uh, make okay. your own products, but in
0: that, you yeah, know special ops. Yeah,
3: but it you, have okay, you, got, got the SOM-101.
0: I don't to tell people.
3: It's supposed to tell people years, how to recover ago. a UFO.
0: It yeah, doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you part.
3: how to do that. Well, is is, is, it depends a, is if a complete you're in fire. fraud. Now, I'm saying that because I, I, I know how to analyze military uh, manuals. That's one of the things that I did. It's, it's improperly marked for classified material. I know how that works. This comes right into my expertise.
4: Your wheelhouse?
3: Yeah, so it comes it's right into my it, wheelhouse. So uh, Stan and I had uh, big arguments over. Uh, whether that was authentic or not it's 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 a hoax it doesn't well, tell any, anybody how to. if you want if you needed to go out and and uh, recover a ufo it doesn't tell you how to do it
2: yeah well not we we have to know. it doesn't tell you what happens
3: <laughs> if you if you um uh, get ha- hazardous material liquid material It doesn't tell us say a thing about liquid material
4: it doesn't well, tell you how the job. I haven't seen job. it in years and years. I haven't seen it in years and years. And the only <laughs> time I ever discussed it was with Stanton Friedman and then uh,
3: right. one and, of the uh, Wood and, and like John I said, Wood's son, And like I said about Lazar, Stanton Friedman, and Corbell, he had a big argument with Corbell about this. And he, he said that, uh, uh, you know... he. He was he was adamant that Lazar was a fake and a phony. Huh.
4: Well, Brian Riz joined us from Canada, and he's a UFO researcher as well. Brian, this is Jan Aldrich. Are you familiar with him?
1: Huh. No. Hi. Good to meet you for the first time. Hi. Yeah, I asked Brian um, to come we up. We can talk a bit c- about Bob Bob Lazar if you want. Uh, I'm sorry, or I could comment on I could comment on sure, Bob, Bob Lazar if you want. I had, I had a big UFO meetup group here. I started um, ten years ago, and, and that time we thought Bob Lazar was a fake. But it's only in the last year uh, we decided. At least I feel that he's actually authentic for a few reasons. Like it seems like like Stanton St- St- Friedman you know, had had a problem with Bob Lazar, but he did state there was element 115 way back in like 1989 and it's only recent years they decided there actually is an element 115 and he, he predicted times when there would be tests of like flying saucers tests out of area 51 and John Lear con- confirmed that. I guess of course you know there's this documentary just came out about a, uh, months ago and, and and Richard Dolan is now saying Bob Lazar is actually a legitimate, legitimate uh, whistleblower so I think I was wrong about him ten years ago. We used to, we used to make fun and, about him and joke about him, but now I actually think he was legitimate. Well, I
3: uh, I have I'd have to disagree with you on that. Uh, element 115, uh, Lazar didn't say that there was an element 115. Uh, he was following the physics uh, uh, physics uh, theories of the day, and he claimed that. 115 was uh, a uh, uh, more or less uh, harmless item and that he actually had it in his hands and uh, uh, he was able to walk around with it. And it's highly radioactive and you don't get to walk around with it. You get to be killed if you do. It's it's produced in very small quantities, but we know what the properties are now, and it doesn't it, it doesn't it does not uh, have anything to do with uh, what the what the uh, ideas of the times were, say in the 80s or before. Then <clears throat> it it is uh, those theories have been proven false. And it's radioactive just like every other element <clears throat> that has been <clears throat> artificially created from plut- plutonium on up. It's very it's dangerous. Be
4: interesting it's gonna be very interesting to see how my story plays out <laughs> in all of this. But so I'm we're wait. talking
3: about Canada.
4: Yeah, Canada is uh Do you know uh, that
3: uh, 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 Do you know Chris yeah. Rukowski? Uh well.
1: Uh, I know about him, but I've never actually interviewed him. I want to get him on my show once. He's, I um, think, in Winnipeg, right? He's got a big UFO information clearinghouse there. He's been around for a long time.
3: Yes, yes. He, uh, he, uh, he is giving all his material to the uh, University of Manitoba.
4: Okay. Well, that's fair that's enough. That's good yeah. enough. Yeah, and, and what they're, is, they're
3: going to—they're going to try to scan it and uh, um, uh, archive it there. Of course, uh, one of the things that's interesting about him is that uh, he has uh, interaction with the Canadian government, so he gets things from the RCMP and the Defense Force and um, uh, the uh, service reports. Uh, the uh, uh, communications instruction for uh, for uh, vital intelligence uh, sightings. He gets those things from the Canadian government also. So uh, these things will all be going to the uh, University of Manitoba. It will be uh, uh, plus his huge collection of uh, of material. Uh, that he's uh, investigated himself over the years.
4: Well, Jan, how could uh, Brian help us? He's had a, a lar- He used to have one of the largest UFO groups in Canada, but now he's on the west side. Now, am I, is that correct, Brian? Or are you over on the? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. <laughs>
1: And uh, Vancouver. a woman just uh we've got a new uh Vancouver UFO meetup just started a few months ago. A woman, Mimi Nelson, she's an abductee. I did a, a video with her, two hours of her experiences on my, my BitChute channel. So the UFO meetup is back up now in Vancouver started. Great. Again.
4: Congratulations. So are you one of the people that instigated that in in Vancouver? You were showing well, support.
1: No, uh, um well I joined it like uh, um I knew I know Mimi Nelson, she started it, so I just I joined it, and I helped get uh, desta barnaby as a uh, as a guest speaker. She works closely with grant Cam- Cameron she's like her his, uh, main assistant, so she came as our guest speaker for a couple of talks, yeah, so it's going well, yeah,
4: well, let's ask Jan Jan, you know Grant Cameron, how do you feel about Grant that was there oh, He's I, in uh, Canada, right, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's been here in Vancouver. Um, he once had, was at a 10-hour meeting uh, with us here, in a house. Um, this is 2017. Yeah, I follow his um, his YouTube channel a lot. Um, you know, White House UFO. Yeah, I've been following him for quite a while. I think he's got really high-quality stuff. He's perhaps our best ufologist in in Canada after Stanton Friedman died. Um, and I like his his whole approach that it's about the experiencers and it's about the consciousness. He said it. In the past, I used to think about UFOs more in terms of nuts and bolts, but now we realize it's, it's more about consciousness and have a, a Buddhist worldview. So we think of you know, one type of UFOs could be like devas or interdimensional beings, which is part of Buddhist cosmology. So, uh, yeah, I really like Grant Cameron's work, sure. Jan, is there so any way you Have you can been
3: out to, uh, mm-hmm. out to the uh, East Coast at all to... Uh, um, uh, Stan Friedman has given his material to the uh,
1: yeah uh, University of New New Brunswick. He lives like Brunswick. four thousand miles away, and yeah, I've never been on the east coast of Canada. I've never been that far out. Like he lived right by Maine. He's an American in Maine, and so he went across the border to New Brunswick, so he's like a dual citizen. Yeah, so he's, right. he's donated his stuff to the local university there. I guess.
3: Yeah, they they're talking about they need help. <laughs> I guess they you know Yeah, Grant Cameron
1: spent days going through his stuff. Like Grant Cameron was allowed, he's done videos about going through Stanton Friedman's files. Right.
4: So he can afford to go back and forth apparently. That's a long long jet ride across Canada, isn't it? Quite yeah, quite yeah. a long ride. Well uh, I Brian, had never been
3: to the east coast either. I had i gone out to uh uh Vancouver uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, Manitoba, and that, uh, when I was uh, Project 47, I visited the, uh, the local archives. So they, uh, I never got out to the East Coast, which uh, is kind of unfortunate because there's a lot of interesting material on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, they would. They they're they're claiming that they uh, they don't have all the material yet. It's still more coming, so it must be a huge archives.
4: So Jan, how how do you see Can, uh, Brian with Canada now? Uh, Matt is both of our. He's our uh GM and our producer for both uh channels or I don't know what you want to say, various uh brands, I guess like Mufon, KUFOs. We have those in radios, right? Radio channels. So uh but Brian has his own show and uh how do you see Canada and uh he wants to keep up some UFO shows as well. Uh I don't know any other topics that Brian does, but I know he does UFOs and he uh uh, was introduced to me through a mad, my GM, who's right here with us. But do you see uh, any way in Canada there's a way that he could work with uh, what we're doing here and getting all these associations together with your oral reports or uh, bringing well, I other think people? That,
3: uh, uh, one of the things that Heinrich said, uh, Canada has more uh, uh, UFO uh, reports per uh per capita than the United States does. It seems that uh oh. the further north you are the more uh the more you see UFOs. Uh that's true. I, I heard yeah. the same thing from Klaus von. He said the further north you go in Sweden he, the better the reports come uh and um uh, the more Has anybody reports looked you get into
4: that? Has anyone looked into that? Yeah, well, like think true. big
1: it.
3: Alaska UFO
1: case and uh, no Yukon no, <laughs> U- U- <laughs> UFO case. Santa Friedman told me it's one of the top ten best research cases. Uh, yeah, I think maybe they've let their guard down up north since the population is so sparse they don't mind exposing themselves. That's just my, my theory mm-hmm. about it. Uh, but, yeah, some incredible mm-hmm. UFO sightings that people in Yukon, Whitehorse, mm-hmm. they, they see them more than we do. Yeah
3: yeah and they they uh, from what i s- I what i saw when i was doing project forty seven up there they' they're they're more interesting they're <clears throat> they're close approaches and um uh, unusual uh actions and things like that they're not far away they're close up to the uh up to the witness uh the uh and and like i said uh uh, Klaus von in, S- in Sweden, he has the he has the same experience that it seems the further north you go, the better the reports come, and maybe it's because just everybody's more independent and uh, they don't care what anybody says to them. They're gonna they're they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Uh, that
1: could be a factor, yeah, yeah
3: uh i uh, i did meet john Musgraves uh, uh in canada um, and he did a project for the canadian government uh uh collecting ufo reports uh from canada all over canada and he he went all, to all the uh uh ufo organizations in canada he could go to and also to in the united states he He stopped at NICAP, he stopped at the APRO and MUFON and collected UFO reports from Canada from all those places. It's unfortunate. I think his uh, collection uh, may have been lost. I don't know. I I wonder if you know anything about that.
1: I've got a a book right here on uh, UFO cases in Canada. I could just look it up. I'm I'm also... um, I know uh, UFO BC here in BC they cover cases for uh, British Columbia and the Yukon. There's a group here, uh, and they got a website uh, UFOBC.ca, and they go back like over a century of cases found here. Um, I'm just gonna look at look at this book right now. I've got a UFO Stories. In-
3: well, uh, Musgroves wrote a book. that's called uh, I think it was called uh, UFO Creatures because he was interested in. Uh, um, he was sort of interested in occupant reports, so he uh, uh, he did his own book. Uh, he got a he, uh, I think it was ten thousand dollar grant from the uh, from the Canadian government to pursue this research.
4: He's looking it up in the book for
3: uh, right. The other the now other now thing well, the other yeah. experience I had in Canada was. Uh, um, a man named McDonald uh who was a television producer wanted to uh uh, uh get support for uh, doing a uh a documentary on Shag Harbor and yeah. uh, he asked me to write a uh, write a historical reason for doing such and I said well you know <laughs> what what difference would that make and he said well you're an outside uh you're you're an outside authority you're you're somebody outside of canada and the uh the people that are going to support this is going to be the canadian broadcasters um the government will support this uh uh if i get enough uh reason to produce it so he uh i guess he interviewed about twenty people on shag harbor and uh uh so that was that uh, they looked at his interview, so that was uh, enough to get support so he could uh finish his uh documentary. Um I, I understand I guess that shows it the was Canadian, it was shown Canadian wide.
1: Yeah, they're saying Canadians have an inferiority complex. We need Americans to confirm what we're doing before we think it's valid.
3: <laughs> well I don't think <laughs> I don't think my complex. I don't think my little letter mm-hmm. to the Canadian government had much influence. I think his oh. His research and uh, bringing all these, uh, and he did talk to people in the RCMP. So, putting um, I mean, I mean, all this research together Harper. and and it was very compelling. I think that's why they uh, decided that uh, they would do it. I don't think my letter had much of any influence. Okay.
1: I think it's maybe the most important case in Canadian history. And one of the witnesses, I um, was teaching courses on UFOs about. Well, 10 years ago, like a local community center, a one-night course on UFOs. And um, one of the witnesses from Shag Harbor came. He saw it with his brother and two cousins. He saw UFO coming in the harbor, the bay there, going around in a just a really profound experience. you know? um, I found the book I Singapore. thinking for. It's called UFO Sightings in Canada, True Stories, Strange Encounters, and Cover-Ups. But this is by Lisa Wojna, W-O-J-N-A. So it's not the same uh, author you're, you're mentioning oh canadian cases
3: right uh, yeah, yeah Musgrove's wrote a book it' was called uh, i think u f o creatures um, wow yeah. uh and that was from uh, uh canadian government uh that was a canadian government grant also so that was uh, that that was it was interesting that the uh uh the government supports this kind of material uh, this kind of research it's 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 interesting
1: yeah yeah but i'm still there i'm sure they're maintaining a lot of secrecy so one hand they're supporting research but they're not telling us the truth just like the american government i guess we're very much under the same control as the american government
3: right Hello? now my
1: big interest is the, the relationship between governments and aliens and are they actually working together what's the evidence for that and the the secret space program or the back engineer technology that people already have and do the, you know what's the government's relationship with that and with aliens because it affects our whole political structure like what's what's above the political structure that we're we're told on the on the news it seems like uh, it's just a shell game or distraction but what's really going on relates to the higher uh, technology of these black budget programs and Back-engineered UFOs, don't you think? Or do not you think that's like the, a big issue? Well, it,
3: it, what, what uh, I know, uh, uh, Chris Rakowski told me uh, years ago that he was he was getting uh, re- reports from from the Canadian government, and he said at the time, you know, keep this under your hat. It's not uh, it's not for uh, uh not for general knowledge and, and i said okay so i have never never said anything until now until he's saying well i am sending my collection to uh to uh, University of manitoba and i said well what about the uh what about the government reports and he says they're going too and i said well that's just that's excellent that's excellent and i said i guess I don't have to uh Keep quiet about this, and he said, "Oh no, no! Years ago, I I, I started telling people about this, so uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know that." But
4: uh, well, how do we keep in touch with each other that way? How would you know, right? And you guys don't email every day or get on Facebook every day. So, what is the <laughs> correct way no. to keep this open source for people? That's the whole thing: is information yeah. disclosure. Is it not, yeah there well, Jan
3: right um yeah he um he uh, he, he told me that they, I think they wanted these things archived, and they they gave him gave him the material to archive, and that's what he's done and now that he's getting ready to uh you know, finish with it he's he's giving it to the University of my. Mo- uh manitoba and they are they want to uh scan it and put it online and they figure they need about twenty five thousand dollars to do that so there's two big collections in canada right now that are probably really important for the world of ufology is uh chris rakowski and stan freeman um i think uh I think from what I know a little bit about Chris when I went to visit him, his will be in excellent order, and everything will be uh quite uh, uh quite organized and uh Stan's will be uh a mass of things that will take <laughs> months and months to uh to uh get it in some kind of order where it, it can be uh used by the public but it's uh <clears throat> the uh, these are two huge uh archives okay that will uh that will be of interest to uh a lot of people and i think it should we if uh some of the things that we, uh, I've heard about Canadian government reports, they may have uh may have really interesting things going on there. And of course Stan people writing to Stan all the time, so he has he probably has a uh giant archives even though he seemed to be only uh mainly concerned with uh, Roswell but uh I know people that have uh, sent him material, uh, and Lauren Gross got to look at his when he was in California. Lauren Gross got to look at his material. He said uh, Stan was very cooperative with him and uh, let him look at anything he wanted to uh, when he was writing his books. So Lauren uh, told me he said, "Yeah, he was he was uh, uh, excellent source of uh, uh, material, and he had." Uh, huge archives even before he got interested in Roswell
4: oh yeah yeah because he'd been doing it for years with his uh, him reading the same book you did I think didn't he he read the Kehoe book Donald Kehoe's book and uh, I used to know that because he told me several times but he also used to write to me and I uh, wish I had all his uh, emails. I guess I could find him. Uh, I should do I that. I had him on
1: my show once. had him on a, about a year before he died. He said, oh, we can do it again, you know, let's do it again. But then I was going to call him back, and then he died, and he didn't call him back, you know.
3: Yeah, That's sounds, yeah, well. We yeah, did we, over an uh, hour-long
1: show, so I'm glad I've got that on video. It's on my, my Bitchy channel.
3: <laughs> yeah, see, what, what happens with most th- people like that is, they die and all their stuff gets thrown out so this will be uh this is uh this will be a good thing if they're uh preserved by a university or uh the uh government in New Brunswick that'll be great
1: yeah yeah like when dr ed mitchell died it seems some of his his papers got accidentally released you know like the the memo we that got released a few months ago which caused a big stir so it's, that seems to be maybe something that he didn't intend to release but after his death it got released so that was that was quite good for us the admiral wilson memo
3: yeah the uh uh i talked to a well, oh, I, I said this last time, so I don't really need to go into it real. Uh, I talked to a meteor tracer, and he said that's the problem with all our material, too. It's all in the landfill.
4: <laughs> yeah, tracers, we were wanting you to explain more. about that word because, uh, you know, it can mean different things to different people. I'm into epistemology, but the history of words alone, you know, we could do hours on just the words we use. Now, in ufology, are there any other words? Uh, uh, Alienology would be the study of those flying these crafts, and then there's those that are, I've seen them come out that are not flown there. I guess like drones now, I told you about that over Rochester, the white very low light and it's just huge and then two red lights come up and flash one towards the lakes or north and one south so I, I would, now I realize those were probably drones uh, it, it took me this long to find a word but at that time when people see things it's hard to document it when you don't really know what you're talking about and that's first hand if you know what I mean and I don't it's very hard to this kind of work and so I, I really kudos to anybody that does this type of uh, writing or you know speculating even. But uh, when you're trying to get hard copy, that's still uh, Jan. Maybe me and you and Brian while we're here, do we have a form we want to use for people? Just you know the who, what, when, where, why of course. But do you have any equipment and ufology that you would like to? share with people or anything for those listening that may want to get into ufology because not everybody wants to join groups, but at the same time we're doing this free (laughs) and we're pulling all the associations together, whether they're in a coalition or not, based on the fact that, you know, we're getting old folks. And the new, the the 20 year olds are going to have to come in, but what do you suggest a form in emails or in your, can you go to project 1947 and fill out a form? We don't have one. Uh, yeah, right there's now, a UFO? there's a
3: thing about investigating UFOs on my site. Okay.
4: Um, let me I, go there. I use
3: the either the Kufos or the MUFON uh questionnaire. Uh that's a those seem to be adequate to me. Um uh MUFON's got uh, questionnaires on radar, you know, if somebody's a radar operator or some of the other uh more um refine things so uh, uh to me those are fine uh i i, I can't see anything uh beyond that uh okay, when i do interviews do I, I, I i i kind of do interviews uh remember when i was doing interviews it was uh uh 1947 was a long way away for some people uh we tried to uh when I questioned them about the dates, they would they would a lot of times be very uh, not sure of the dates, and so one of the things we used to do is ask them, well, was it around uh, uh, around the Fourth of July, or was it around your birthday, or? And oh, that's a
4: good
3: idea. People would say, oh yeah, it was around my birthday, but it wasn't in nineteen forty-seven; it was in nineteen fifty now because I moved from this place to this place, and I was just getting started in it, so it's got to be 1950, because that's when we moved. So then that,
4: mental markers.
3: Yeah, mental markers, and uh, where were they at the time? Yeah. I mean, and, yeah.
4: Uh,
3: is there anything else that you can uh, use to pin these things down, and sometimes you don't get the results that you want? Like I said, I, I thought I had a nice, real nice sighting from 1947, and it turned out to be 1950. And uh, 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 you've got to use your imagination on that. Uh, I, uh, and uh, you need to establish confidence, too. Uh, um, I talked to this uh, <clears throat> fellow at Holloman. He had been in Holloman in 1955, and he had a UFO sighting not on the base, but when he was away from the base. He had said nothing about it to anybody, including the official down there. Uh it happened in Oro and <clears throat> he told me he w- he had been uh he was an officer and he had been the adjutant there. And I told him, Oh, adjutant, I said, Well, I'd been an adjutant myself. I said
0: uh I was one of
3: the few people that was an enlisted man that had been an adjutant. That's almost never happened. And he says oh, my God, no, it never happens. How was that? (laughs) Then he was so curious about how I got to be an adjutant that I was able (laughs) to gain his confidence by telling him, well, um, um, (coughs) uh, the colonel uh, that I worked for uh, uh, knew that I had just been on a project that I, (laughs) I knew something about, so we were deactivating the unit so he said Well you know how this deactivation works he said it's nothing it's nothing foreign to you so he says I will just appoint you as as an adjutant for this particular item and everybody said, oh, you can't do that he's the listed man, you can't do that and the girl said, Yes I can. It's in the regulation. It's it's unusual, but we'll do it. So I, I I talked to the uh the witness uh who had a, it was a very close range sighting he was going to uh, Oro Grande he was going through Oro Grande uh New Mexico he was on his way to uh uh to El Paso and it's at night and off the road he sees uh a UFO in the field and he uh, pulls off to the side of the road. He's climbing the fence to go there. And as soon as he gets across the fence, the thing uh, zooms away. He said, I never told anybody. He said, I didn't tell people about it at all. I didn't tell my superiors. I didn't report it. And he said, I didn't tell anybody to you. And so that was,
2: uh,
3: <clears throat> and that's, uh, like I said, it's it's gaining the confidence of the people. So they feel comfortable talking because some people are really really embarrassed by having such a an experience. They they don't like to talk about it.
4: Uh, Matt, do you have any questions uh, for Jan? Because uh, you've been awfully quiet. But uh, you know, with oh, regards to building this,
3: I've been multitasking.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, good! I'm so glad. Well, what do you think? Uh, we should put a contact form, I guess, and then we can be like a clearinghouse and send them to Canada to Brian or send them to Jan and Connecticut. They're on different sides of the world, but uh, well, that, what type of
3: problem, It wouldn't be a bad idea to put some kind of
1: a form on a on the sites and then let people either e- 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 email them to either one of them.
4: Right. Okay. Uh, at least do that and uh i guess a contact form would that be just a contact and then you guys could uh you know decide Or we we may i know another person was wanting me to put a form on here but uh yeah you know when you got a radio show There's and you got a website
3: fill out, a lot of people would fill out a form if they could be uh anonymous but uh ah you know
4: yeah, but I don't know we, how how much that yeah, would. Yeah, you
3: could.
1: You don't know how many people would just fill it out to be jokers
4: filling out. Yeah, yeah so amazing. so we might as well have them put who they are and all of that. So, uh, you know, are there any events you're going to be spe- speaking at, Jan? There's uh, various events coming up here in the United States of America on both sides, east and west coast. Are you putting in as a speaker, or did we establish that you? Maybe we established last week you don't want to be a speaker. I forget because you're doing hands-on. Uh, I don't mind hands-on. being a
3: speaker, but uh, uh, like I said, people don't want to hear what I have to say. So that's that's you know that's fine. Um, the uh, as far as uh, anonymous, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad when when you uh, when you have a, a real. Um, important sighting and the person doesn't want to be, uh, identified <clears throat> and that's not really anonymous. It's just, uh, you're keeping his name confidential. Um, I had, uh, a, uh, uh, we did a, a, a story about the, uh, 1952, uh, citing on the, uh, on the, uh, Aircraft carrier Philippine Sea, off of Korea, in uh, in February of '52, and we were able to uh, make contact with uh, with one of the uh, people that worked in um, in the CIC. He's actually uh, uh, one of the major officers on. On board at the time, he was the uh, he, was, uh, <clears throat> he was he was in the uh, uh, combat information center, which is the heart of the ship, and they had several um, <clears throat> sightings. And if you go to my site, I talk about the uh, Philippine Sea in there. Um, and for the Navy in Korea, it was during the Korean War. Uh, this was the time when they were convinced, but this sighting convinced them that there was something to UFOs in Korea, and they started uh, collecting material. Uh, uh, fortunately, uh, the Air Force, uh, in meetings with naval officers, intelligence officers, had been collecting things that the Navy had, had told them about, so uh but they the navy was was convinced that everything they were talking about was because of radar or because of misidentifications visual misidentifications when they got one that was both <coughs> radar and mis- uh and uh and visual that made them sit up and take notice uh so i mean I said, well, this guy could be telling us a story. But he told us about his background. And then I was able to go to the uh, the Navy, uh, all services, they have a book about uh, regular officers and what their qualifications are and uh, uh, what schools they've been to and uh, their uh, uh, their achievements. And so he told me, Uh, the schools he had been to, I could look those up and see that he had been to them. Uh, And that um, he was, he was a unique, unique officer on the, on the ship there. He had, he had taken courses that none of the other uh, CIC officers had taken. He was, he was, uh, um, he had all these qualifications. Plus he was a pilot and he, he flew all kinds of different Navy planes, and uh, <clears throat> I was able to trace his assignments and everything. And so, uh, I'm convinced that he's who he said he was. And then he he showed us documents, which, of course, supported that. So that was uh, uh, that was very gratifying. Even though I can't use his name. Uh, I, I really uh, worked to get to, to verify that he was who he said he was.
4: All right. Well, I put a contact form on org for everybody, and uh, we'll put uh, uh, Brian's link and Jan's link on this UFO association for Canada and the USA. And Amad and I are strictly... Uh, administrators on this particular show and uh, website it's ufoassociation.org i pay for it monthly and it's less than 20 bucks a month but when you put all of them together it can be quite but i pay for an extra secure socket on it so it gets up there folks but if you'd like to uh, we'll sign you up we've got journalists scientists cosmologists physicists phenomenologists alienologists ufo historians course author's book club UFO secret space command for our Facebook uh, group researchers and uh, we're going to grow this for 2020 I've not been in a hurry uh, because I knew it was going to require so much of my time probably 50% of it because uh, it's a big business now, and we have a lot of events out there, so if you have an event, let us know. We're going to do our best to put together a UFO Association directory, and uh, of course Jan Aldrich is right up there on the top because he was our first uh, next to Stanton Friedman and Dr. Bruce McAbee and Dr. Bruce Cornett, so we welcome anybody and everybody, including Brian Rue of Canada that's not new to the UFO world. And uh, that's why he was invited. He's also got a show. Brian, tell people about your show in Canada, please. We've got about seven minutes left, and I'm going to let Jan uh, say we're, yeah. we're to get in touch with him. Well,
1: okay, my show starts in seven minutes on Revolution Radio. It's the Brian Roux Show every Tuesday night from 6 to 8 Eastern Standard Time. And I also have... Um, um, a YouTube talk show. I'm I'm on YouTube but mainly on BitChute since of YouTube censoring they took down my original channel. But I got um eighteen hundred videos on uh, BitShoot.com. Just look for Brian Rue, R U H E on, on Bitchute.com I got twenty six playlists, and ones on UFOs. Um yeah, so I, I interview people and um do videos usually every other day I've got a new video coming out. I've been doing this since two
4: thousand eleven. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us I got the website
1: today. as well, C. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Sorry, I got you yeah. at short notice, but good to join you. I'm interested well, in what uh, Jan's doing. Very interesting. Good to, good to meet you, Jan.
3: Yes. Nice to meet you. You're the only one that knows how to pronounce my name. <laughs>
1: yeah, Jan, not Jan.
4: Jan's a woman's
1: name. Jan is a uh, a, a European spelled J and <laughs> yep.
4: Oh, so I should be saying Y-A-N. Do, do people call you that? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Uh,
4: people that I
3: tell I uh, uh, that I tell them that's my name, uh, they just can't. They can't wrap their heads around it.
4: Uh, I see.
3: Yeah, they all always think that that's a girl's name. So.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. So you yeah. just say, but do you re- introduce yourself as Y-A-N? I do,
3: but uh, it, it, it's, it's such a you know it's such a problem. Afterwards, they they see Jan. It said, Jan, what did you tell me this other name? I said, no, that <laughs> is.
2: That... I said, listen, okay.
3: that's, I, that's names of presidents, emperors, and kings that had this name. And he said, ah, oh. uh, it, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't. Yes, yeah, but that's a girl's name. <laughs> so I've <I'd> given up. <laughs>
4: I understand. Sure. Well, yeah, uh, like Why? Yeah, yeah. Jan, tell people how to get in contact with you, including uh, Brian. Brian has uh, the next show, but I'm sure in the future he could book you over there if you'd like. Uh, as long yeah, as you I make our you Tuesday now. shows. Get <laughs> touch with you.
3: Okay, so uh, sure. uh, the, the website is uh, <clears throat> www.project1947.com. Um,
1: okay, I got it
3: yeah it's huge uh my uh email is project one nine four seven at earthlink dot net um okay. and so uh uh my uh my landline is eight six zero uh five four six nine one three five uh And I get calls on that from all over the world, so 2 o'clock, it doesn't bother me, but 2 o'clock in the morning, it takes a little while to get to the phone. But I get 2 o'clock in the morning from Australia all the time. (laughs) Uh,
4: So this is pretty much your full-time job, isn't it, now that you've retired from the government? Yes,
3: this is is it. I'm trying to get all this stuff uh, scanned and... uh, Uh, In digital media Before I pass away Hopefully uh, So it's a race
4: Right Well we'll have these shows here And I'll do my best To keep uh, Live myself So we'll have these And hopefully We're going to find Some way to uh, Keep these going After we're gone So Oral And uh, The hard copy Too folks So that's He's been working diligently all over the world doing hard copies. So, and uh, we have all these groups. We're in an alliance, and amad and I call it the Allied Command Org. and he's writing us a bi-monthly. So, uh, Jan, we'd like to promote you in that as well. And hopefully we're going to grow this year. I'm literally looking forward to 2020 and us all working together. And uh, I call it the ACO, but uh, I've got another group, Soul Nuss, not Us group. And... Uh, dealing with uh, afterlife and my near-death experiences. But other than uh, the soul or what happens when we die, that's my first love out-of-body experience being actualized. And the second one is extraterrestrials and those beings that have always come and visited us here. just depends on your level of filters and perceptions from what we're hearing in consciousness these days. So stay tuned. This UFO Association is based on UFO and the old time uh, Unidentified flying objects But we also call them flying saucers And nowadays UAP Unidentified anomalous phenomena So stay tuned people And uh, right now We've got uh, Jan Well Jan Jan <laughs> Aldrich And of Connecticut with us And he's an old old timer And he has uh, does, Done a wonderful job of introducing us To All groups uh, with his project 1947, Kukos FUFOR MUFON. Now, what was FUFOR again? So, because we've got that listed here, fund for
3: UFO research, and they uh, they used to uh, collect money and try to uh, do research with uh, with grants and things, uh, or also give prizes to people that had uh, done. helped ufology, so, um, I got the Isabel Davis Prize one year, and that's, uh, uh, that's my heroine right there, that's, that's, uh, that's my mentor, so, uh, that was, uh, that was quite, uh, nice, uh, it came with a little bit of money, too, so. That well, helped,
4: too. Congratulations. That's right. And and Jan or Yan will keep helping us remember those people such as himself. They've been wonderful archivists. And hopefully he can maybe next week we can get uh, your other friend with NICAP to come on, and uh, maybe he'll answer us. And if not next week at uh, 4 Eastern, folks, 4 to 6, uh, we'll try him the, maybe the week after. But we'll keep doing what we're doing, Jan, and helping you any way we can. And uh, Brian Rue of Canada, R-U-H-E, and he's fixing to go do his show. So, Brian, have a wonderful show, and uh, we'll look forward to having yeah. you back on our show. And you yeah, keep hanging in right there. You, you bet. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you, Ahmed. Thank yeah. you, uh, Jan. We appreciate everything, and we'll see you next week, okay? Bye. Bye. With Lucky
0: Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.